Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the podcast, man. We got Know It in the building at the track house. What's yeah. going on, bro? Not much, man. Chilling. It's my first time here. You know, we've been talking about Lincoln for a while. You know, a while, bro. For a while, but this COVID shit fucking put a stop to a lot of stuff. You know, I was uh, doing a lot of like shows and stuff like that with the beach showcases and stuff yeah, like that. Man. And COVID like fucking really put a hurting on live Thank shows. Thank you for having me on that show again, by the way, bro. Yeah, way man, back no in problem. The day. Yeah, you were rapping back then. Yeah. You still rapping? Yeah, I released yeah. a track not too long ago, so I'm trying to get back on the train, man. Dope, so just, man. We yeah. should do something. A hundred percent. I brought beats, so you can pick through and oh, we'll, I'll drop something here and you can work We'll get on. into that. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, this is the spot. This is like, yo, you got to check out the booth after. The booth looks tight, man. It's sick. Because, like, since we moved, I'm like, I never want to be faced with the issue of not having a booth. Yeah. Because, like, this isn't necessarily a permanent space that I'm locking in. You know, might have to move again. So, take the booth wherever I go. It's a huge asset. Yeah, it looks so mobile. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you could take it apart. But, you know, like, no, nah, I was thinking, I was thinking if it really came down to it, like, studio on wheels, man. Studio on wheels. Just pull up to somebody's house up front. Yeah, or and like just come out. Be in like the local Walmart parking lot or something like that. Yeah. Next to like the firework <laughs> truck, you know? That would work. You know, pull up Sunrise Center with the truck and be yeah. like, yo, I'm in here for the weekend. <laughs> Hit me up. Like, And you know, they do a ton of like, there's a lot of places that trans transform like tr back of trucks and like buses and like... There's a lot of that now. Tiny homes and shit. Tiny homes and yeah, shit. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I'm big on that shit. So, so I'm could, like- They could probably do up a studio easy in the back of a truck. Get my dual citizenship and go down to Nashville in the winter. There you go. Man, I'm trying to leave this place in the winter. Right? The winter is so depressing. I'm trying to just get dual citizenship so I can <laughs> just like, if I got to dip out of here. So many of my friends I grew up with have dual citizenships. You know, I grew up around the border. Oh, did you? Yeah, I grew up in Chatham, Ontario. So uh, most of my friends that I grew up with, their dads are American. Really? Because when in the 70s when I was born, I'm aging myself now. <laughs> I was born in 77, but- You don't that, look it. In that time, uh, the drinking age in Canada was 18 years old. So it's 19 now, but back then okay. in the 70s, it was 18. But it was still 21 in the States. So the American guys would come over to Canada. Right. <laughs> just like- Where's Chatham near? Where would it be going like to the States? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's close to Detroit. My geography's terrible. Yeah, it's close to Detroit. Okay. So, yeah, uh, uh, like a lot of my friends who I grew up with, their dads are from Detroit. Okay, that makes sense. So they have dual citizenship. Just coming through and just like settling down and all that. Putting seeds all over the exactly. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Vice versa, too, I could imagine. Yo, that's sick, though. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to meet me a girl out here, just party with my boys. Yeah, man. Yo, that's that, wild. Growing up there actually influenced me getting into hip-hop because we had uh, WJLB, which is the main radio station okay. in Detroit. That, so I grew up with WJLB on the radio. Really? So it was like you heard it all 24-7. Right, and because of your age, like you caught all the fire shit in its prime. Yeah, it would be like dubbing tapes of like wjlb just playing like you used to listen to frank and dank 
Frank and Dank, yeah. <laughs> those guys are those guys are Detroit, right? Yeah, they're from Detroit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. JD. Dilla. Yeah. Dilla. Yeah. That's sick. Damn. Yeah, man. Who's like who's your favorite MC? That's if, a tough if question. Um one. if I had to say not like who's the best, but who's your favorite? I think it goes through time. Like my favorites change through time. Yeah. I think right now J. Cole is probably like my favorite. Yeah. A version of him though that from back in the day is common, like very conscious. I really liked Common a lot. Like he was my favorite Black Thought. But now I'm really into J. Cole. Yeah. Feeling it. Yeah. Do you feel like that kind of like it it kind of gives you a, a vision when you're trying to make the beats too? Especially because a lot of guys my age that have been producing music for a long time, their sound is dated. Ah. Uh, because you have that you capture that vibe without sounding dated, it, I find. That's what I'm saying. It's like I try to listen to the new stuff too. Yeah. To help it influence my sound. Right. Right. So I take a little of the old stuff, a little of the new stuff, and mix it together. Yeah. Yeah. What is what is your process like when you you just kind of like wake up, you know, send the young one off? Okay. So right now I don't have a studio. I used to have a studio and it would be like that would be my inspiration. I would go there. It was loft, had these huge windows, sun would be shining through, just fucking roll up, smoke some, put on some records to look for samples and stuff, right? Yeah. But now at my apartment, I can't make a lot of noise. Right. Because I live in an apartment. So it's like everything I'm making is on headphones. Ah. So I just in my living room, I got my MPC studio, my laptop, and headphones. And that's it. Yeah. And I just have sound packs buy the sound packs look for samples boom create you you still like dig through records and I still have a record collection I still dig through records but like a lot of the new like we were just talking about like keeping up to date with your sound yeah is I buy sound packs just like all these other guys do right right you know through um Kingsway Music Library okay um what else am I using? Uh, Crab Tree. Uh, you know. Um, oh my God. Those I haven't even heard of. You haven't I'm, even heard of those. I'm a splice person, bro. You look at my splice. I don't even use it. I just. A lot of people use splice though too. Uh, but the other ones are from Drumbroker.com. Yeah, I heard you of drum Drumbrokers. So you go there, and sound packs are dope because you don't need sample clearance. They sound like right. samples, but you don't need sample clearance. So I'm hearing now that uh, some some big corporations, when it comes to not clearing, but sometimes these these the creators are looking for royalties now. So it makes it, it it's an issue when you go to like TV and film where they don't want to go through the hassle of trying to figure out who's owed what. When it some of these creators of these sound these sounds they want the royalties almost like uh it's hard to trace that's why it's only like you gotta like NFT that shit where it's like when they when they purchase when they license that beat like somebody's the 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 creator's gonna chase you down or something like that be like yo I'm the reason why you made this loop especially mm-hmm. if they didn't manipulate it right yeah. The royalty free stuff, like it's it's so like 
it, it scares me. Like, I don't know why, if that's not, if it's the reason why I'm not using Splice, but it's, it's like, how, how do you know? Sometimes they don't even give you like an agreement when you buy the sound pack, right? So I've talked to some of those guys that create the sound packs. Smart. You can find them on Instagram, the guys that create it. They're just guys that play instruments and, you know, they, they create these things specifically yeah. for producers to sample them. Yep. So they don't really care if you're using it unless you're getting millions and millions and millions of streams, right? But when you do, they get a percentage of the publishing. Right. So they might get like a 33% or whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, when it, if you got like a big placement, like say right now, I'm, I am shopping stuff to Drake right now. Right. So it's like, if he wants a placement, if I get a placement, then I would have to con and he picks a beat, then I would just contact this guy and say, listen, getting this placement with Drake, uh, what's the, ne let's negotiate your percentage of your royalties or whatever. Straight up. Yep. Yep. No, that's smart. And, and sometimes it just comes down to that conversation, you know, just being upfront. Saves them like the hassle. Yeah, everybody wants to work. Yep. Everybody yep. wants just uh, make sure everybody gets their piece. Yep. The problem with sampling off of records is sometimes those guys they don't want rappers to sample their stuff. How like I've never cleared a sample. A lot of times I don't really use the sample, but do you find it difficult if you're say you're sampling like a soul record? So I've had a couple samples cleared. It wasn't me that did it. It was the manager of the artist that I was making the beat for that did it. So okay. I'm not sure of the total process. I just told them where I got the sample. Usually you leave it up it. to the artist to deal with it. That's that's what I did. And um but nowadays it's you want a rare sample. Like everything American already been sampled. Yep. So a lot of guys are sampling these like Eastern European records and stuff like that. And from what I hear is that the artists that create those that music, they are not interested in letting rappers use their samples. Really? Even if they're getting paid. Not interested. Really? So they just deny. So I know a lot of uh, my producer friends that have had big placements that never made it yep. out just because they couldn't get the sample cleared. Damn. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's real, but I can, I can understand that though because you know some some places they don't look at rap like we look at its popularity. It's almost like they still look at it as like devil's music or something like that. You know, especially these people in Eastern Europe, they probably don't aren't hip to like American culture. What's going on? Their right kids now. like it, but <laughs> yeah, they. They're not hip to it. <laughs> no, they are no, not. Their kids or their grandkids are rocking <laughs> with it, but they don't tell anybody that they are this. Like they go sneak out and go listen to it. Right. <laughs> nah, that's real. Um, so I've, I heard, I think it was No ID. He was talking about kind of his process where sometimes it's not like, like you make beats every day, would you say? No. So like some, I think he was talking about one day he'll just spend time just finding sounds digging through records just finding the hottest shit another day he might just focus on drums just finding like new fresh drums or kind of like separating his drums into kits kind of figuring it out okay this is like a kit okay now i got this kit and then like maybe one day out of that week he'll sit down and take everything that he's gathered piece by piece and just kind of like probably make a bunch yeah 
because you don't really have to you you spend all that other time looking for inspiration and as opposed to creating yeah um do you find any similarities in your process there i don't but i respect him a lot you know he's one yeah. of the guys that i look up to a lot um big fan of his music um my process i think right now it's always i've been doing this for a long time so i've been making beats since i was 14 years old and i'm 44 so 30 years you don't look older than 40 at all <laughs> thanks man Not at all so right now it's like okay um i do kidney dialysis three days a week at the hospital it's pretty tiring and then i have my son i'm a single father i have him the same days i do dialysis so do dialysis in the morning then i pick him up from school and he comes to my place okay so those days monday wednesday friday i'm pretty much not doing anything but taking care of stuff i have to take care of my life stuff yep. so tuesday thursday saturday and sunday are my creating days and really since i've been doing this so long it's like super easy for me man yeah the truth. like i can make these beats like so easy jeez <laughs> I hate to th say it like that, but really just like... Well, of course, it's as like, it should be, though. I've done it so many times. I've made millions of beats. It's right. It just, just comes to me. I just send the headphones, look at samples. And even if the sample isn't, like, amazing... Yeah. I can still, like, I just throw it in and, like, create something from it. Yep. Create something out of nothing, just, you know, like hip-hop. Yep. Do you find that uh, it happens to me? I hear a lot of producers talking about it. Like a lot of times, I'm selling my least favorite beats. At least my things are the least favorite to me. Like I'll be scrolling through beats and I'll be like, I'll play that one for like three seconds and I'm like, go to the next one. I'm like, no, oh, they don't want to hear that. They're like, hold on, you know, like play that back. Yeah, I and know. Like that's the one. I find the same thing too, man. Yeah. Like some of my favorites I play and people are like, oh, okay. Is that why you when you find that sample, you're like, I gotta pursue that still? Yeah. See it through. Another thing too is uh I'm doing a lot of work with another artist, uh Ryan Superville. He is a producer from Cambridge, he's had some big placements and stuff like that. And uh he also makes sample packs for me. So okay. he plays keys. And then he'll create the sample and then send them to me. So a lot of That's my new amazing. beats, my lot, a lot of my new beats is like from Ryan doing, you know, playing all the stuff. So the clearance is no issue. No issue. Fire. And then he can accompany some other some things on the beats too. If you want some added keys or whatever, yeah, we work together pretty well. Damn, That's hard, bro. Yeah, I like that. I'll play you some stuff later. Jeez, <laughs> who who would you say is like your your favorite producer? Uh, easy, easily it's Jake One from Seattle Fire So Jake One is my favorite you pr I don't know He's not like super out there in the media He's like in the back So a lot of people don't know the beats that he's created They're bobbing their heads Some of the right hardest now. drums Yeah and like he has like his sound packs His snare Jordan Okay So people know the snare Jordan uh, sound packs But he is a guy He produces like Drake J. Cole Wale Rick Ross, but he also does beats for like De La Soul, MF Doom. Like he covers all the spectrum. And Jeez. that's what I love about because that's what I'm trying to do too. I got that sound that'll go from the underground head and I can make a commercial record too. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thing. That's why I'm, currently I would say my favorite producer got to be Hit Boy. Yeah. He's doing a great job. The Nas records are dope. Insane, bro. Yeah. 
And I think I think he he did that last big Sean Detroit too. Yeah, he did. I'm a big big Sean fan. Hear what Kanye West was dissing him. I saw that. That's not right. That's not right. No, that's not right, man. Like sometimes I think this Kanye stuff is just for the media attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that for sure, for sure. I'm about. I'm gonna watch that new documentary that came out on Netflix. I'm watching. Is it out already? Came out yesterday. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it too. Like. He's been a huge influence on me. In fact, my last B-tape, I put out a series of B-tapes called um, Transplant B-tapes. And it's just to like put my music out there, but also make awareness for organ donation, right? Okay. That's why I did it like that. Because I've had two kidney transplants myself. Yep. And uh, my dad had a heart transplant. Okay. My sister will eventually need a kidney because she's got the same kidney disease as me. So organ donation in my family is like, huge deal right so that's why i did the b tapes the transplant b tapes but the last one i did finding names to name the beats for these transplant dates was like a process yeah yeah it's like just naming them is a process like so the last one i did i named all the beats after my favorite producers oh Dirty, I never caught that. Yeah, so like all the names of the beats are like Kanye West. Okay. No ID, uh, the, uh, Dr. Dre, DJ Premier. Did it sound like, did it sound like the name of the... I think that my beats kind of all sound like me, like I have a signature sound. Yeah, yeah. But when I listened to them, I, I did be like, okay, who's this sound the most like? Okay. Yeah. Right? It might not sound exactly like it, but it was like, who does this mostly sound like? Right. So I did it that way, yeah. Oh, I like that. That's sick. And a lot of the other B-tapes that I did, the names is like, I named them after people that were influenced to me in my life, like real life people, like family members or like my friends. Oh, fire. Yeah. I think my all-time favorite producer has to be Pharrell. I'm a big Pharrell fan. I know Pharrell, and I argue it all day. He's also a good artist. Like, it's uh, sing, rap, produce. Like, yeah, yeah. You can do a lot of different creative things. dude. Yeah, creative dude. Have you seen the interview with him in Nardward? I don't know if I watched that one. I don't know if I've seen it. He it was, was like freaking out, man. Be- Maybe I saw some clips on IG of it because uh, he had like a uh, rump shaker. He had like a. Credit. Rex and effects, yeah. He had a producing credit on that. Yeah, yeah, so, I knew about that. A lot of people didn't know that. No. And Nardwar brought it up, and he was like, what? You know yeah. that I did this? <laughs> they went to same, him and Chad went to the same school as Timbo. Oh, okay. Like, uh, They're like from I think Virginia? junior high or high school or something. Yep, yep, Virginia. Virginia's got some sick artists. Remember Fam Lay? Yes. <laughs> he was pretty sick. Yeah. Who's the guy that sounded like Q-Tip? He has a voice like Q-Tip. From Virginia? Yeah, he's with Timberland. Magoo. Magoo, yeah. Timberland right. Magoo. His voice would sound like Q-Tip. You're Kyle. right. You're right. Yeah, that's facts. Ooh. Nah, they, Have you been there? Virginia? Yeah. No, I haven't. I've only been to, I've been to Detroit. I've been to Florida. Been to Buffalo. That's about it. That's it. <laughs> the basic ASICs. No, I haven't <laughs> been to Virginia either. I've never even been to Florida. No? I've been to Buffalo. In Detroit a lot. Like most I started going hanging out in Detroit. And a lot of the artists I produce like coming up, like are from Detroit. Sick. 
or Port Huron, like in Michigan. I used to hang out there all the time. And uh, I did a tour. A whole lot of gun shops. It's like liquor stores and gun shops. <laughs> liquor stores and gun shops. <laughs> no joking either. Right? That's the fucking truth. Um, and I did a tour with a, a Midwest tour, like Chicago, Minneapolis, and a bunch of those places to the Midwest. That's sick, though. Yeah, we rented an RV. Who'd you go with? Like family? No, I went with uh, the artist that was producing for Michigan. Uh, oh, they're called the Lyricists. That's right? tight. They're and, still like uh, functioning? Yeah. Yeah, they still record music. Sick, yeah. sick. Yeah. And um, who were did we? There was a headliner. I think it was Camp Low. Camp Low. Ooh. Yeah. And we did this huge festival in Minneapolis. It was really cool, actually. There was a ton of artists out there. Damn. Yeah. How like important is like the the networking these days? Like, I think all networking has transformed onto social media. Yeah, I even heard Jake One, the producer, talking about like most of the placements that he's got over like the last like four or five years have just been through Instagram. Right, not even leaving the crib. Not even leaving the crib. <laughs> it's it's. How do you feel about like that versus like? face-to-face pull-up like do you find it's a a better interaction still i've always found like the best music i've made has been like where i'm in like it came together Uh, when we're together yeah 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 i see you know some some producers like to be like nah like let me do my thing things separately yeah and i have made good music too just sending the beats over the internet to people and it comes back but the I think it's the memories that you attach to it. Yep. That make it more special. You know what I mean? It's a it's a vibration at the end of the day. Right. And life is just about making memories, really. Yep. No, nah, it's key, man. That's why I like to do all this stuff, you know, like this, the music, the the photos, man, all this stuff's gonna be around long past when we're here, you know? That's right. So it's like you want like the grandkids to hear about this shit and be like, oh, that's how granddad was moving back then? Yeah. <laughs> I actually have some vinyl I pressed um, with my beats on it. No way. So I have those for my son for like when I'm gone or whatever. Yeah. I have like uh, some records that I produced. Yeah. You're putting them on to like the vinyl and stuff? Yeah. He actually wants to start making beats. He's done a little bit. He's only 10. He's going to be 11 this month. And uh, But he has been bugging me to like the in-depth yeah he's just so busy like he has a lot of academic responsibility true he's in a french immersion so he's learning another language and he's also very active sports he's on the cambridge travel basketball team damn so it's like uh i didn't want to put too much on his plate but he's been like i want to learn how to make beats he'll make the time he'll (laughs) make the time i guess right yeah yeah that's sick that's sick like What's like, is that kind of a reflection on like how your pops kind of looked at you when you kind of started wanting to make beats and shit? Actually, the my situation is a lot different. Um, I never really had a good relationship with my dad growing okay. up. Like uh, my parents divorced early. Like my mom and dad uh, married, divorced two kids by the time they were 21 years old. Damn. 
You know what Damn. I mean? Like, so my mom had me when she was 18. Right. My sister was 21, and then they divorced. And my dad had some alcohol issues. Yeah. And wasn't really there for me through most of my childhood. But when I got sick with kidney disease, he came back. We have a relationship now. It's really good. Amazing. And uh, But I was raised pretty much by my stepdad. Uh, he... Not into hip hop music, but because I wanted to do it, yeah. He built me a little room in the house. Nice, mostly just because I was making racket. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted a place where I could be that were yeah not enough noise, but also wanted to support me at the same time. Um, of course. So my parents were very supportive with my creative outlet. Better them knowing where you're at, you know. Better you staying out of trouble, you know. It's, yeah more secure that's sick but i think that mostly just like the influence i had was mostly just like the people i grew up with were into hip-hop music and we had an influence from detroit with their radio stations and their television programs on our tvs like just growing up i was just like bombarded with that culture right american hip-hop culture so what about the actual scene in like chatham and windsor at that time for hip-hop like Toronto had a kind of like a scene in the early days. So Chatham is that was small. very influenced by by Detroit. Yeah, it was. It's small. It's like forty or fifty thousand people. So it's, it's about the size of Cambridge, maybe. Okay. You know, it's a small city. Yeah. But yeah, because it had a big influence. Like everybody I knew was into hip hop music, and it was like the very first rapper I ever seen was in Chatham. The very first DJ Sick. I ever met was in Chatham. Damn, that's now, dope. The DJs like to play in Detroit. They have like a what do they call it? Like bass music. It's bass music. Yeah, yeah. They had like that underground. It's not house or techno, but it's like they call it bass music. I think, but a lot of the DJs I was growing up were playing this bass music. I know Chicago had a very pop in like yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the friends that I knew that were DJing were playing this like bass music and you would go to parties or house parties and or like rent halls. Yeah. And maybe a couple people would rap, but most of the DJs would play these dance music and you'd dance with girls. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. High paced dancing. Almost like some house shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had like Baltimore Club back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Baltimore Club music was going crazy. Damn. So like Motown too was that like a big thing back then too, mm-hmm. like growing up, influence and stuff like that too. Yeah, and like uh, my friends that were DJing, they would all buy their record on sa- Saturday. We would all go to Detroit, even young, like it's teenagers. Damn, without our parents. Yeah, because when you're driving, like they're not IDing everybody. Yeah, because like, you could drive at 16. At, when I got my <laughs> license, you didn't need to get like a uh, the process that you go through now. You just right. got a beginners and then. Like That's sick, yeah. <laughs> so we would go to Detroit, and my friends would buy all the records that they would play, all the my DJ friends. And I would buy sample records. Yep. That's dope. Yeah. Oh, man. Hitsville. Hitsville. Have you been there? USA. No, I haven't. I've yeah. always wanted to check it out. Yeah, I've been there. You've gone through, like, the house and shit? Yeah. Damn. I'm jelly. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> That's sick. So, like, who, what artists or crews are you working with currently? Uh, like I, so I'm working with Superville, Ryan Superville. Superville. 
and um, we're doing stuff together. Now, I have been sending stuff to Drake lately yep. because his team reached out to me. Nice. Uh, one, one of his guys, Harley, is from Cambridge. Oh, shit. So he, d- he produced like half of that new album Drake just did, and he does all his recording too. No way. Damn. He came up through uh, my beat showcases. Wow. Yeah, Harley. That's sick. He used to go by Forte. I'm not familiar. Not familiar with him? No. So, yeah, he came up through the beat showcases that we used to have in the water in Waterloo at Maxwell's. And uh, then he went to school for engineering. And when he was there, he met 40. Okay. Where do they go? Um, What school did he go to? Yeah. Uh, Metalworks? Misses, Metalworks, Yeah, maybe. maybe that and, was and 40 was doing a course or something there and met uh, Harley. And then now he's OVO and like, damn, he's in California. He went to the Super Bowl with, he goes everywhere. Cambridge to California. So yeah. So me and Harley knew each other. We both grew up in Cambridge. Obviously he's a lot younger than me. Uh, but you know, he was like, you know, sent some sample flips and shit to me. So yep. I've been sending some stuff to them. So keep going. I'm trying to manifest it yep. into happening. Yeah. You put it out there. I'm so. putting it out there. I'm telling people. Yep. And you're putting it in the work, too. I tell, yeah, man. I'm trying to manifest that into happening. Fuck yeah. No, that's real shit. Anybody else that you're trying to like work right now? <laughs> um, work with? I, I'm working with a friend of mine from Toronto, Iverson Black. We already did an EP together. We're yep. going to do another one. Sick. And I think people from Kitchener remember Titus. I remember Titus. He was on the radio here a lot. The what was the radio station that we had here? Um, the beat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Titus used to get a lot of play on the beat, and um, I remember I saw him at a show back in the day. He was giving out like free mixtapes and stuff. Yeah, so he he's going by his real name now, David Smith, and we got a track together, and uh, that's something new that. And I'm always working with Sharky. Sick. Shout out Sharky. Yeah, shout out Sharky. That's my boy. Best friend, bro. Sick, yeah? Yeah, since high school. Like, his first, like, three albums I produced most of the... And ProLogic. ProLogic. Shout out Pro. Shout out ProLogic. Yeah, yeah. These guys are Kitchener-Waterloo legends. In my eyes growing up, seeing yeah. them, I was like, these are the guys, you know? <laughs> Mantis and Justice back in the day. Yeah. Like, shows it like... Uh, I love the Get By. I love the Get By, too. Yeah, I got that one album that they did. Yeah, I can't believe they uh, they should have made more music. I know. And their videos were cool, too. I've been working with Mantis lately. Oh, yeah? Low-key, uh, yeah. Some things are going to start coming about. I'd like to work with Mantis, too. Is he rapping? And producing. MP, MPC Live, I think it is. He's rocking. Disgusting. Yeah? He showed me this one synth that he's been using. Disgusting, like... Yeah, you guys will. He's very talented. You guys will blow each other's minds for yeah. sure. Uh, shout out to Fraction, too. Shout yeah. out Frack. Yeah. Yeah, K Town Legend. So, like, you thinking about doing some shows again? I am. Yeah, definitely. That's been a huge part for me. I love uh, trying to develop artists or uh, giving them a platform. Yeah. I have like a lot of pull with, like, you know, a lot of the um, venue people and stuff like that because my i've done a lot of shows that's always the question and kind of like the the thing when it comes to hip-hop shows who in the city is welcoming hip-hop shows because some yeah, don't and, f- and fuck mccabe's that's fuck what McCabe's. i gotta say 
That's Fuck you heard it capes. first. I needed to. I was wondering because you want to know the what the room was dope, and you that, that room bitch. was dope. I packed it a bunch of times, and they somebody else after I did a show there. Somebody else threw a show there. It was an MC battle. Okay, and apparently there was didn't go good or something. So when I went to go back there. They were like, oh, no, the MC battle, this and that. I was like, that was not me. They thought it was, okay, yeah. I was like, that was not my like show. Mine was hip-hop shows. Mine was the beat showcase that went extremely well, and we all made a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Like, the business is working. Yep. Like, what's So, fuck them anyways. I'm down with Maxwell's. Paul Maxwell, he's great. Yeah. Always from day one, been supporting the hip-hop yeah. artist, man. Oh, big time. Who else would you say? So I did some stuff at Starlight, but I heard that they're not open anymore. Heard apparently they sold. I'm I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure either. Too bad. But I did a Royce the Five Nine show there. Oh no way! There. Yeah, it was went off really well. Damn. I did an Ob Trice one at Maxwell's that went really well. Did you do one at Maxwell's? Yeah, Ob Trice. I don't know if I remember that. And I did a couple of beat showcases there too, where I did uh, Adam Bomb from Toronto. Yep. Uh, yeah. He was a headliner, and I did a uh, Decisive there. Oh, sick! Um, I like to put on the Toronto artist. You know, he was the first like. Besides MF Doom, the only other successful rapper wearing a mask, you know, like, <laughs> from Canada too, you know. Yeah, the ostrich. Is that mask. what it was? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's a little creepy, but <laughs> it's sick, you know. But uh, nah, that's dope. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm definitely. I did. Uh, um, my fr- my friend DJ S One. Yep. Um, he has some venues in Guelph. Yeah, I heard and- Onyx. They they do a lot of they've yeah. done a lot of hip hop shows. The, so he's been asking me to do something there. Yep. Have you been to Onyx? I haven't been to Onyx. What's the one across the street? I don't know. I'm not familiar. Van Gozier? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. They got two levels. Yeah. I did a just before COVID hit, I did a beat showcase there. Oh, for real? How yeah. did it go? Good. Went you went good. upstairs? And I had Adam Bomb there too. Sick. Yeah. It was my the formula I like to use for the live for the beat showcase is like I do rounds of the beat battles, right? But in between them, I'll put like a ten minute local artist. Yep. In between. Yep. Uh, seems to work really well. Yeah. And not a lot. Like, hey, when you go to these shows and I have like 10, 10 artists, like, what the hell is this shit? And then you got like you got all this time in between, and sometimes like the sets are just too long that you're like, I can't even. Yeah. Like, hopefully, confused. when things open up, this whole pay to play thing is out yeah i always pay my artists you know this pay to play like getting artists to pay to perform i'm not really down with it i've i've coming up as an artist it's always i've seen both sides of it and seeing i've being an artist being a purchaser of beats and stuff like that i've seen both sides as being producer selling and being an artist buying and it's it's really woken me up to a lot of just like things that i just overthought and just was like insecurities and shit like worries that weren't even like an issue you know (laughs) i was like trying to trying to they were telling me pay to play and i get it like you gotta make money for your for the house like you got all these things i respect you for always just like reaching out giving me the opportunity for real 
mind you, I, I like to think that I was a pretty good artist, you know? So like, but in some situations, like that, there's a lot of risk involved in like trying to get bodies and people to the show. Like that's the key. Cause like the bar has got to make money or like, it does, but you just kind of want to recoup. The promoters of the show should have their ears to the ground, a hundred percent, in their local communities, and they should know the artists that are talented, and they should invite them to perform, even if they can't pay them. But give them a spot, but don't take any money from them. Right. You know, hopefully that will pay off in the future. Yep. Like um, my relationship with Harley. Now he's OVO. You know, I gave him a stage to uh, showcase his beats. And uh, now he's reached out to me that, that he's been successful. And uh, that's the way it works, you know? Opportunity is greater than money sometimes. Right. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. And if you're an older cat like me and you have experience in the scene and you have relationships with the venue owners and you know how, and you can promote a show, keep your ear to the ground for these young artists and give them a stage. Yep. Don't take any money from them. Right, right. <laughs> yep. Like that's the last thing you know. It's like a buy-in thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, nah, I think that's that's where like <laughs> you got to kind of like you got to in the gatekeeper situation like that. It's like not everybody's like ready for those spots though, you know. You got to know like who's right for the bill, you know. Exactly. So like you're going to be doing good business all through and through cuz you're protecting your investment at the end of the day. Yeah, and if you're a consumer and you uh get a flyer for a show delivered in your inbox or whatever, and it has like 15 artists are performing, it's probably not going to be a good show. No, no. I like that. Okay. That's you know it what right I'm saying? There. No, that's facts. If it has three artists, probably a good right. bet that it's going to be worth the money. Right. No, real talk. Y'all heard it first. Sheesh. That's <laughs> game. Yeah, I think uh, – Finding the venue sometimes is like a, a challenging thing to get some. You ever go to the Button Factory? I have done a show at the Button Factory. I've never Factory. been there. Yeah. So uh, the thing about the Button Factory is you can sell your own booze, which is a lot of work, but uh, did it, I did Do it. Do you have to provide your own license? Yeah, so you have to get a, a temporary liquor license. Yep. And you have to have a smart serve uh, servers ser- serving the alcohol. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's that's it's all right though, because you can still make some bank. Yeah, because I had to rent these uh, um, things to put all the ice. In the, they don't have coolers or whatever. Oh, right? so really? You had to I get had, like those barrels or whatever. I had to break these barrels and fill them full of ice for all the alcohol to keep cold and oh, stuff shit. like that, right? So uh, I did it. It was a lot of work. Um, but worth it. The venue's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a. You have to carry the sound system upstairs too. So oh shit, eh? it's a pain um, in the ass. It's pain in the ass, but it was worth it. Good. Had a good show. Good. Yeah. Because I'm trying to figure out, like, I know Maxwell's will still do it. We'll just, like, take it's over expensive. that. It's expensive, though, right? The small room, I think, is can be between, like, six and $800. True, true, true. So. It's not bad, though. It's not bad. It's doable. It's doable. Especially if you charge $15 a head. Yep. Yep. You know. Depends on how many artists you're paying. You're talking about paying a DJ, right? They supply the sound guy. Oh, okay. And the sound yep. security and sound is included in the money that you pay them. That's not bad. And some of the online promotion that they provide, yeah, is worth it too. That's good too. Yeah, his online promotion actually helped with my Obi Tri show that I put there. Really? 
really did. In fact, Paul put me on the game with the Facebook ads. Oh, sick. Yeah, because, uh, okay, so we were doing OB Trice. Maybe I was selling like 60, 70 tickets. And then he was like, let's do this uh, Facebook uh, <laughs> ad game. Yep. Dude, we ended up selling like 450 tickets to that Damn. Show. Damn. Did he already know that it was like effective he, or did he take obviously. that risk with you? Okay. No, he knew that was effective. Okay. I mean, this guy's been throwing shows forever. So do you still do like paid I ads and st- stuff like that? I still like do that? paid ads for my shows. You budget out like yeah. how about like it's not getting even the much. beats out there? It's not even much. You spend a hundred bucks. Right. That's good advertising on Facebook. Yeah, for like, sure. You're talking about maybe 10, 20,000 people seeing your flyer. Damn. And you can't... Not everybody's going to read it. No, but impressions, you know? Impressions. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Amazing. Facebook, ads, yeah, they work. Sick. Yeah. That's dope. And also he has that giant sign outside. And he'll throw it up on there yeah, too. Yeah, we put Obi Trice up there. Yeah. Like... That'll work. Yeah, so anybody that drives by there, not everybody might not be into Obi Trice. But everybody, you know, They'll the know people that, that do are into it are like, yo. Yep, yep. They'll drive past that every day to so work. So I don't know it. if he does that, puts the, like if I just did a regular beat showcase there, he might not put that on the sign. I'm not sure. Like a, yeah. Yeah, like some, I think like, and a lot of places, like they'll they'll book like a hip hop show, like the Monday, you know, you won't get like prime, prime like, Time slot or whatever, unless you're paying like a bag. But Dude, I won't even do a show unless it's on the weekend. Yeah, because you want people to come out, man. It's not like yeah, like the pe- not- the <laughs> demographic of people that I'm going to have jobs. Yeah, <laughs> real talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they work. A lot of them got the families and stuff too. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, I won't even do a show unless it's Friday or Saturday night. Sick. Who would you bring down? Like, if you were to bring down like a headlining act. So I've been wanting to do like Feral Munch. Ooh, uh, sick. So thing is like I got to think about like what's not going to cost me a lot of money. Yep. And what I'm still going to make money. Who yep. has enough fan base in this area, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, Guelph, in this area, uh, where I can make enough money, not spend a lot of money, right? So underground rap artists like that, like Feral Munch, uh, Elzai, oh, Slum Elzai. Village. Like, these are the type of guys that I've been thinking about. Sick. Now, that was, those ideas I was having for those guys was two plus years ago before COVID hit. Right. Now you have a whole bunch of other artists. Yep. That have come to the scene that might, like, these guys might be getting past the the time that I can bring them. You know, like, they might not be able to bring out fans right now. Like, Feral Monch hasn't released music in... A long time. Right. Um, so I'd have to do some research. Yep. You know, and figure out budget, popularity. Right. Location. Okay. If you were to get, say, somebody who might be a little bit more Expensive. costly, would you would you set up like a pay-to-play for opening acts at that point? I would never do pay-to-play. Ah, uh, I like that. No. I would never do that. Yeah. Just find the artist that would fit the bill. Find the artist that fit the bill. Make it for a good show. Exactly. Perfect. Smart. Yeah. Yeah, because 
like I'm thinking now like the headliner know, should be able to pay the headliner should bring should it, be able to bring the in people, the money to you make promote, them that's right. Be all right and I'm not greedy right um I think the guys that do the pay to play pretty greedy yeah like they're trying to just get every nickel they can possibly get that's around them right no you get a good headliner like you should shit. be able to pay out the artists pretty much right at, you know even if it's not a lot no, even like a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks the opening yep. artist, straight up. Plus, or like some drinks. Some dr- exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know them getting the exposure in front of a crowd, the uh, experience they're getting. Name on the flyer is so Names important. On the flyer, being connected to the headliner. Yep. Give them a hundred bucks, some drinks, some of their friends get in free. Yep. Like, yeah, you know that's good. Yep. That's straight better up. than like taking money from them yeah yeah it's like selling slots you know somebody's like yo i got a thousand dollars you know they're just like really the promoter should be able to bring in the money yeah it shouldn't be left up to like uh people on the undercard bringing in money how do you feel about like do you find that promotion is kind of like a lost art in terms of like show promotion it definitely is like hitting the streets is not like a thing anymore. The thing is, is like to me, it's not a hustle. You know what I mean? Promoting a show isn't a hustle. It's a business. Like, yeah. uh, you have to treat it and treat everybody. This isn't the streets. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's where I think it went wrong there the last little while is like it became too, people were treating it like the streets. It's not, it's like, a real business and you got to treat people like a business yep development artists creativity all these things are part of this business yep and kind of got sloppy and lazy and like if a promoter what are the, what are they charging you what are they offering you you said that guys offered you pay to play before what do they offer you what do you got to pay 500 bucks it might have been like two hundred bucks or something like that. Two hundred bucks, and it was. It might have been like, I'm just gonna say it because it was a thing. You remember uh, what was his name? Freddie Fame. Yeah, used to do those events. Those he were pretty much all pay to play events. Yeah, yeah. Where it was like, I see some people got their shot. Tory Lanez, you know, he took that, took advantage of that at that time, you know. Yeah. But uh, like a lot of people there, they didn't go anywhere from that they could have been there every every saturday every month you know it's like keep on performing in front of people that really didn't come to see you except for like your five friends where it's like the show is not necessarily set up for you to win (laughs) you know you'd be like judged on something you might win like a prize or something like that but it's like it's just like a popularity contest at that time yeah so i think they um the the promoters for events can take a lot of um, what guys like Dana White, yeah, does or like Vincent McMahon. The, these guys. What's right? like an example? Would you give me if you so could. like invest into the opening artist? Ah, you know what I mean. Like show them that you care about them. Mm-hmm. Give them a stage when you talk to people about your show. Make sure that you talk about the opening artists. Right. You know, I'm having this guy. He's local. He's got this song. It's getting played on the radio, at the local radio. You can go to his Instagram. 
you know, it's invest in the lo- in the local guys. You know what I mean? Yep. Those guys, like Freddie Fame, take your two hundred bucks, put your name on the flyer. Yep. And that's it. They probably don't tell anybody about you. Right. Right. But you know, Dana White, he'll these guys on the undercards. He talks about them like they're superstars. Right. You know, because it mean? could be the next. Because they could be the next. Right. Right. Smart. Smart. And it's part of like the developing. Develop. So like they, they, I think you that's can tell part of they your market job. them too, right? They, As a promoter, that's part of your job. It's artist right. development. It's like The Rock. They're like, okay, this guy needs like a slogan. He needs like certain phrases that he uses, marketability kind of mm-hmm. thing. Turn him into a superstar. <laughs> right. Shit, you're on to something. Yo, that's facts. That's game right there for your bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when I did my shows, I'd always have like uh, three performers in between the beep uh, showcases or the beat battles. And uh, yeah, I always just treated the guy f- that like was- a, It's like a boxing- Yeah, the guy that card. was opening to the guy that was headline. I would treat them all the same. Right, right. Yep. No, that's real, man, because- it's from an artist perspective there's there's nothing like there's nothing as like exciting necessarily about being like the first person to perform unless they treat you like it's going to be sick you know like everybody's like yo I want to be the last like the headliner kind of <laughs> thing i've seen people dip out before they even get a chance to go on where yeah. it's like it's not necessarily about being last or first or whatever. It's like sometimes you want to be. I've seen a lot of shows where like the first person is performing to like an empty room it just happens, right? But sometimes it's like if you can hype them up enough and get them to like just know like we're going to bring some people out. That was one of the things that they'll never I, forget it. One of the things I learned what you're talking about there is from doing the beat showcases is um a lot of the once the I would do beat showcase performing artists beat showcase supporting artists like through the night and then I'd have the headliner yep now if the headliner was a local guy like from Kitchener Waterloo all the people that came to the show to watch the beat battle they would all leave okay. before the, la- the headliner right so then I was like how could I get people to stick around for the headliner so then I started bringing guys from Toronto. Right. You know, uh that was a big move. I thought I saw that and that was like I think that So really like took keeps it. the people because they're like, Oh, I want to see Defi- decisive perform. I right. wanna see Adam Bomb perform. I wanna see Tona. Right. If so they would stick around to the headliner perform. Yeah, yeah. That's, now that would cost me a little more money because paying those guys, like I would have to pay those guys three, four hundred dollars. Right. Yeah, because they're not famous, obviously, but they have like they get more play than most people. Yep, like you can go online and search Adam Bomb, and like mad videos come up. Yep, you know what I mean. I kind of think like I had uh, a space in this building or something years ago. Did you with ProLogic? Really? That was the first time anybody's ever randomly walked in. Yeah, that's so funny. First time ever. <laughs> Like, sometimes, like, not even somebody, like, not knowing where the space is. That was, like, very intrusive. I can't believe that just happened. That's funny, no problems though. with, like, sound in here? Like, people don't complain about it? <laughs> I've never had any complaints. No. I don't know what it is. You're blasting like, it. Sometimes I'm blasting this shit. I don't know what it is. Like, not too many people here at nighttime, though. 
No, but I do hear like underneath there's like a kickboxing gym. Oh yeah. And it's like one of the reasons where I'm like, I got to move. Oh, you can hear it? I can hear it. Whether the client like knows or not, like yeah, yeah. I, I, it bothers me. So yeah. I'm like, I need a better space. Hmm. So, um, yeah, just like. When man, you look around and you find something, let me know. I might, I need a place to make beats. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure exactly how much I can afford, but. No, like I'm not worried about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that's good to know because it would just help like just to, for me to consider possibly a better spot. Yeah, and I work, uh, like I make beats a lot during the day, so. Right, right. So if you're recording artists at nighttime, wouldn't interfere, I don't think. True, true. That's like your peak time to like create and yeah, stuff. Yeah, morning, I like morning. I like getting my coffee rolling up. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I t- you know, I seen this uh, interview actually the other day with um, R&B artist. Uh, he's an African guy, signed Cardinella official. Akon. Seen an interview with him talking about working with Eminem. You see, did you see that interview? Where he actually takes strict lunch breaks. He leaves at yeah, five, even if it's in the middle of a hit record. <laughs> yeah. He treats it like a real nine job. To five. Yeah. yeah. I heard. He I, said he showed up at the studio at six and M, uh, he got there and was like, where's M? And he's like, he went home. And yeah. he called and was like, yo, man, I'm here at the studio. He's like, good. I'll be there tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. <laughs> yep. Yep. He's like, I clock out, man. Yeah. I feel like I'm the same way with making beats. Like sometimes I get inspired at nighttime. And I can just do it in my apartment. But most of the time when I had my studio, uh, I would get up in the morning. I'd go to the gym and leave the gym, go to the studio. Yeah. And then work all day. I like the sun shining through the window. Yes. See, I would love a window. Yeah. I would pay a price for a window. I've never had a window. Our first studio space was actually in Maxwell's Jam House uptown. How's How's those studios there? They're dark? Um, no windows. We we had we changed the lighting in there. No windows. It's in a basement. There's like maybe twelve different rooms. At that time, 2013, he had just opened it up. We were the first occupants of that room. We put down carpet. We changed the lighting. We built like a booth, uh, baseboards, painted the whole shit, like ceiling and everything. Big spot. The rent was good, but like we had the biggest spot as well. The only other big spot in there, the other second biggest one, pretty much the same size as us, shared a wall with us. A drummer would be in that corner, and it was like, it was bad. (laughs) (laughs) Recording was done. Like, couldn't do it. It's more of like a jam hall. Exactly. So, met some cool people, seen some wild shit, had a great time. Like, seen some wild shit. (laughs) Yeah, man. Just like, you know, four in the morning, somebody's ripping sometimes. Like, a drummer might be in there just ripping. Or like, Weekend parties, like an after party thing, might That's be where everybody on went after the, halls. the bar. Eh? Yeah. So, and I met like, they were a lot of them were like rockers. They weren't hip hop guys. There might have been two other rooms that were like hip hop. Some of these places, like some of these tenants didn't last long. You know, they would get caught like drinking, smoking, whatever, breaking shit, holes in the wall or whatever. Man. Jam hall shit, you know? Man, I, my studio, like, finding a place where people could smoke weed inside was tough. I can't find a spot. Yeah. And I would love to because that's the environment that our clients like. Yeah, like, my partner suspect from Marmel at the time would not be having it. Like, 
there was a place that we got where they said no smoking, and he would just light up blunts right in front of the people. He didn't give a fuck. Damn. Yeah. I he was like, respect. I'm paying right here. I'm smoking in here. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I wish I could do it. Like, I, I have a problem with people, like, who would probably blow smoke in the mic. I'm like, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's not good. People would love to do it. It looks cool in the video, but, like... Me, personally, and I'm a smoker, it's like... Not a smoker of cigarettes, but a smoker of weed. Yeah. Like, I can go outside and smoke. But I know that most of the artists that I worked in our studio wanted to be able to smoke weed while they were creating. Like, I'd probably be able to charge for it, and they would pay the price. Yeah. You know? They want to. They want want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for the gram, too. And it's a vibe, like, just smoking and writing, just saying, like, yeah, I don't have the space for it, nor do I have the... Yeah, this doesn't seem like the type of building where people would be cool with that. No. So <laughs> that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> if I can find a spot for sure, and if like if it was like a situation where I could probably risk it, I probably would. Hope I'm not self-incriminating myself no, I should probably from tense. the past. But <laughs> nah, it's one of those things where bigger space is very important. I don't want to have the speaker so close to the booth. That just doesn't make sense. I want to be able to have like a nice distance away, nice open concept. Where I saw them do like Watch the Throne, I think it was Watch the Throne, just like big ass room. I thought that shit was super dope. Like if I had an open concept space, just put the booth in like the middle of the room or something. It's whatever, right? It could be wherever. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. So lease is up in like a month and a half or something like that. So if I see something, I'll, uh, Send you links. Please let me know. What's what's going on in Cambridge hip hop right now? Is like people still doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I know that they got Kingdom Studios out there and they work with some people up there. Yeah, like is that Dom Valley guy? Is he from Cambridge? I don't know if he's from Cambridge. I know he does a lot of work out there. But I yeah, think I've he's never out been here. to that studio alone. Um, I haven't s- been there either. Kind of upset they haven't invited me. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> they they're aware of you though? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't want to sound egotistical, but I mean, they should. <laughs> They're aware of me. They haven't invited me, but I want to let them know that the door is always open if they want to come here. But I mean. Yeah. Uh, that kid's blowing up on TikTok. Oh, Dom's killing it right now. He, yeah, he is. He's killing it right now. Big ups to Dom. Got to get, get him in here. Uh, we did an interview last year at some point for... Uh, 509 hip hop. When I was doing that. my beat showcases, he like hit me up and was like, Can I perform? And uh, I wasn't one of those promoters that I just put people on last minute. You know, I had a s- schedule set. Yeah. I like to follow it. Well in I advance. think if you go off of like what your plan is, then that leaves room for mistakes to happen. 100. So I was kind of like, Not this one, but on the next one, I'll put you on. And then COVID hit and I haven't had one. Damn. Right? Manifesting this one though. Yeah. So, uh, Dom, please don't take it personal. I'll have you out, man. <laughs> I'll pay you. <laughs> nah, he would, he would pack a place for sure right now. Oh, yeah. So, he's blowing up. Yep. He's on my, when I go to TikTok, he's like on there constantly. Yep. He's on my f- feed. Smart dude. Have you tried any TikTok stuff? Uh, I put some beats on there, but yeah. They don't like me. I put a. Re- I did a Drake remix this week. You probably you heard it. Yeah, I got a lot of great feedback. Every time I put it on TikTok, they fucking copyright it silence it. Yeah, and I sent them a message, and I was like, "Listen, 
I created this music. I own all the rights to it. I was like, Drake's company put these acapellas out to the public for people to do remixes to them. Oh, is that the case? I, I have the that. acapella. Right. Oh, right? so if there's a Drake acapella, obviously his record company has released it. Right? Hopefully, yeah. It's not like a leak thing. Right? So I'm like, I'm just using the acapella that they want people to do remixes to. I own the music. Like nobody's buying the acapella. No. <laughs> Unless it was on record. They're just using it to just recreate something. Not for profit use. It's not like you're selling Right. So I was like, listen, okay. I own the rights to all the music being played here. Yep. And the acapella is released by the record company. And they haven't got back to me. Hopefully they figure that out eventually, you know. You know what I'm saying? I think Instagram is a little bit more Yeah, the uh, Instagram forgiving. didn't care. Because I, I had that I did a, a remix for a Mingo's song. Okay. Uh last year. I even synced up their music video to it. So when you watch the music videos, my beef lane. I think I saw that one. Yeah. So uh that was the one I did where OVO people started reaching out to me and asking me to send them music. Okay. After I did this Mingo's yeah. remix. And uh, Hip Hop Canada posted it on their website. Damn. Shout out Hip Hop Canada. Yeah, shout out Hip Hop Canada. And um, I got a lot of good feedback. And then Instagram silenced it for copyright. And then I told them the same thing I just told TikTok. I was like, listen, I'm created the music. I own all the rights to it. The acapella was released by the record label. And I won. I nice. won with Instagram. They reposted it. Bless, bless. Yeah, hopefully uh, TikTok smartens up. Yeah, they were like, that's a good argument. And I was like, fucking right, it is. You're pushing the boundaries and, and kicking down the doors for creators to, you know, setting precedent over oh, here. No, it's real shit, you know? Like yeah. now now you now you know who you can thank if you can post your remixes <laughs> up online on Instagram. Yeah. My man know it. That's what's up. Shit. Well, this has been good, man. Yeah, I don't know if I got any other questions like, you know, like this this relationship can always continue with this like getting to know you more, but like I just I just want people to, you know, yeah, get I think familiar. that we're going to connect a lot more. We're going to work together. I have some ideas and I want to do a podcast with like where we pay, play beats live, like people send them to us. Ooh, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then we like play them and like make fun of them. Live stream would be pretty Not dope too. Not make fun of them. Oh, I'm just joking. I would make fun Live of them. stream would be pretty dope too, right? Live stream. We can react. And uh, people just will set up an email and people can just send us the beats and then we'll play them live on the air, uh, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or something, live feed. Yeah. And then uh, we can rate them or like, do something. Talk I've about had a it. bunch of people hit me up about like a rhythm roulette kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like that would be pretty sick to do some rhythm roulette type shit. Have you ever tried something like that? Like challenge yourself to, or you just do this on a daily basis? Where it's like, I just do that, I guess. But this. I don't know if I could do it. Um, that's a certain skill, I think. Like uh, Marco Polo did that. Have you seen the one with Marco, Marco Polo? Polo? He did the one where he picked the records blindfolded and yeah. they ended up being all singles. Oh, yeah, he got fucked. <laughs> so there was like a bunch of songs yeah. for him to choose from. And he ended up creating something that was like crazy good. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, man, that would be so hard to do. Yeah. And um, I don't know, man. My sample, oh, I'm pretty picky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 
how do you know that something's good? Like, how do you how do you pick your records? See, like right now, because I'm doing like uh, Superville sending me stuff, and I'm buying sound packs from uh, Crabtree and like Kingsway Library. Like all that stuff is good. Like when you buy a sample pack from Kingsway Library, I can make a beat with every single one of those. Damn, things. have you ever bought one? I haven't. I just They're fucking sick. You just put me onto them. Yeah, like Kingsway Library. Okay. Yeah, Kingsway Music Library was created by a hip hop producer from Toronto named Frank Dukes. Used to work with G Unit. OG legend. <laughs> yeah. He, he created this. And I seen an interview with him when he was first talking about starting this music library thing. And the way he did it was cool. Like he started collecting instruments, like guitars, amplifiers that the musicians were using on the records that he was sampling off of from the 70s and stuff. Yeah. Wow, he's going a step further. Yeah, to get that sound, right? The sound that they were using back then. Wow. So he was like, I'm going to create these sample uh, things that producers can use where it's like no sample clearance, you know. But it has that same but feel. But it has that same feel of sampling off of a record. So when you get them, it'd be like, no drums. It's just like fucking samples. Like, oh my goodness. He's like the Quincy Jones. Oh the- <laughs> man, he's fucking killing it. Holy. And he has a lot of placements because of that. Like I can sample, imagine. like Kanye West, Timberland, like every producer. Because a lot of those big producers samples. aren't digging for sounds necessarily anymore. They're getting people sending them and, stuff. And sampling from records has been so overpicked. Right, true. And then clearance on top of and that. And then clearance on top of it. True. So it's like these are new and they come out every month or every couple of weeks or something. Right, right. So. Wow. And you buy a, a pack, it'll have like 10. You know, it's like $30. But you know, like you're getting some pretty much exclusive. You're getting them and you don't have to clear it. The sample. Wow. That's a game changer. That's a gem. Yeah. Holy. Or if your friends are musicians, they can make them too. Like my friend Ryan. Right? <laughs> Damn. Damn. Because like, I know like a lot of producers, they'll go and read a record, like all the, the liner notes and be like, okay, I'm going to like follow this musician because like they have like a certain sound, not necessarily like, sometimes they'll go with the record label, anything from this record label I'm buying. Yeah or like anything from that musician but sometimes or like that artist but sometimes they'll go and find those musicians who are on like some of those banging records sometimes they got like some hidden gems in there too yeah that's what guys are doing when they're digging for records they look on the back and be like oh, but then uh, buying the instruments is like another level right, right? he was like <laughs> I- i'm gonna create these packs but i want it to sound like these records so i'm gonna go buy the amplifiers and the fucking guitars and the basses that these guys were using in the 70s yeah holy do you play any instruments i don't i i want to learn piano and guitar i do want to learn other than that, like I would love to learn bass. I'm sure it would have probably helped me. I see Ski Beats playing the bass, and I'm like, "Fuck, I would love to do that shit." Yeah, he's got some packs. He also does like, um, he does a beat. Um, he'll put out a sample, and like guys flip it, and then oh, really? he chooses the winner. Oh, it's like sick. a comp- online Instagram competition. That's dope. I, I'm not familiar with that. I'm going to have to check it. Yeah, he does it. Shit. 
Like he might even create the sample too. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then he'll put it out there and then like fucking 100 dudes make beats out of it. And then he picks the best one. Does he place try and place those beats after? I don't know what he does with them afterwards. Hmm. But I know a friend of mine from Toronto, uh, Dan, he's done a couple of them. Sick. That's dope. I see you like the sneakers and stuff. I see you got some dirty kicks on. Yo, I know you like your Air Maxes. I know my friend. Uh, well, actually, there's a, you know, Complex Magazine? Yep. Even this week, they had a, a Best Places in Canada Buy Shoes. And my cousin started a store in Chatham called The Closet Clothing Company. I remember the closet when they came to Waterloo. Yeah, so the closet clothing company, my cousin, my first cousin, John, who uh, was a huge influence on me. We were six years apart, and our mothers are sisters. Oh, wow. And uh, so he had I, he had a huge influence on me when I was a kid, and uh, he started that store. Wow. From a welfare program. Wow, and to it, this day, that's probably the only place that I can remember that sold, like, exclusive. So- they have like famous people that shop at their store. Kevin Hart. Wow. Shops this. I remember when they were uptown, like that was their thing. Like get some, because celebrities used to come out here like uptown. Yeah. Like that strip. I don't know why I never took off in Waterloo, but he, the store started in Chatham. My cousin started through a welfare program where they gave him, a, the government gave him a grant to start a business. He started it. Now this is the story. My cousin, he uh, had his wisdom teeth out. And when they did, they gave him Percocets, and he got hooked on them. Oh, shit. Real bad. Lost his family, lost his house, lost his business. Luckily, a childhood friend of ours, Robert, took over the business for him. So my friend Robert Farrell, he owns the Closet Clothing Company now, but it was first started by my cousin. Okay. So uh, my friend Rob, he in Complex Magazine said his place was the top place to buy shoes. So... Obviously, I'm into shoes. My friend owns the best shoe store in the country. Damn. <laughs> so, uh, oh, shit. Uh, the other, the, I think the nearest one right now is Hamilton, right? No, they have one in Chatham and they have one in London. Oh, I always thought they were out in Hamilton, no, too. No, it's in London. Okay. But they sell mostly of their stuff online. Really? Yeah. Like, their online game is fucking huge. If you go the Closet uh, Inc., maybe... So like their storefront expansion kind of thing, they're not even worried about that with COVID There's and everything. There, it hasn't been a problem with them because they sell a lot of shoes online. But it doesn't help that famous people buy shoes from them. Kevin Hart has like done a post on his Instagram about their store. Wow. On multiple occasions. So now they're, they're a huge online retailer. In fact, one of his best photos, like liked photos, is him standing in front of an airplane. Kev, and he's got new kicks on. He's like, I just got these at the closet code. The oh my God. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> so they have like 200,000 followers on their Instagram. Wow. Organic too. I can Organic. Imagine. He didn't pay shit. for that shit. Yeah. That's like gra grassroots welfare program business started wow. from. So if you're out there and you're tough on your luck in Canada, know that the there's programs for you. And this can happen to you. Yep. If you work for it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. Wow, that's legendary. What do you what do you like right now? Shoe wise. Like what are you fucking with? So I'm an Air Max guy. Yep. Um, I have like maybe like twelve pairs of Air Max. Yeah. 
um, mostly I'm buying shoes for my kid. Oh, true, true, true. His <laughs> kick game is fire, His eh? kick game is fire Did right you like now. those figs when those dropped? <sighs> yes. I was fucking with those. Those were pretty sick. Those cork ones that they've been doing. You know what I have is um, Picnic. Have you heard of those? No. So they're Air Max, and in the inside is all Picnic Basket. Okay. Uh, the red checkers. Red yeah. and white checkers. So I got those. those I used to have tight. a pair with the blue and white checkers. Dope. I got those from Loop way back in the day. Yeah, Loop is tight. I bought another pair. No, those were those were dunks. I used to be crazy about dunks. And I bought another another pair of dunks from the closet when they were in Kitchener. Mm-hmm. My brother bought uh, Air Force Twos, those like video game ones back in the day. I used to love shoes. Now I'm just like basic ASIC. Right now, because it's winter, I'm wearing a lot of these uh, Nike Lunar boots. I have a couple pairs of them. Yeah, yeah. So they're like uh, Air Force Ones, but boots. Yeah, you got the traction on them. Yeah. A little bit thicker. Yeah, I bought some some Nike boots. I used to like the ACGs, the ones that they just released. I wasn't a fan of. They're too like they're too much for me now. You know, I'm not. I don't like. No, I've never had a pair of Jordans, but my kids had like a bunch of them. Yeah, I keep not buying a fan them. Of the for, Jordans. Not that I'm not a fan. It's just like they tripled in price. I don't know. Maybe I can't afford them for myself. Like but I can bills. afford the kids ones. So I'm like. Yeah. Get them from my son. True, true, true. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I know. The Jordan thing is ridiculous now. I can't afford $600 for a pair of shoes. Because if, like, it's hard to get them on release day, you know? 250 is like my max yeah. for shoes. Yeah. I prefer to spend 150 <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. 250 being my max. Like, I think these boots were 250 Yeah. And some of the Air Maxes, they're up there, but like. Yeah. Nah, they're good. They're good. But like 160 is like the standard for like a pair of Air Maxes. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's 160 standard. <laughs> Air Force Ones are like 120. They went up to like 135 now. Yeah, I like I, Air Force Ones too. I remember like the highs when I was a kid. They used to be like 125. You see, all these kids are white on white Air Force Ones, eh? Yeah, yeah. That was like it was back when Nelly was popping. I know, and now it's like every like sixteen year old kid has to have white. Has to have them. Wow, or off white. I like the white. I like I like gum bottoms. Yeah, I had lunar boots like this, but I have a pair that all black with the gum bottoms. Hard. Yeah. Damn, I fuck with that shit. Beats and kicks, man. Culture one hundred (laughs) and one, right there. Shout out my boy Rob Farrell at the closet. If Go to Instagram, check them out, order shoes from them. They have, in Canada, 24-hour service, like delivery. Oh. So if you order from their website, 24 hours if you live in Canada, overnight service. Delivery really? to your house. Yeah. Game changer. <laughs> I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah, man, check them out. Sick. All right, man, should we wrap this shit up and yeah, listen to we'll some beats? Just, yeah, let's do it. All right, y'all. Uh, let the people know where they can check you out, actually. So check me out, uh, know it got beats or know it underscore got underscore beats on Instagram. That's mostly where I'm at. I should actually talk about this before I get off because you just mentioned that. But last year and over COVID, I released four beat tapes, over 50 beats, right? Called the Transplant Beat Tape. You can find them anywhere on Spotify, on YouTube, on i tunes uh beat camp they're everywhere and they're free for people to use okay right and one of them um 
the beats was used by tough dumpling he's an artist that was from toronto but lives in new york and thrust from the northern touch song they did a song and it got played on shade 45 but that beat people asked me oh can you create me a beat like this i was like those guys grabbed that beat for free off my beat tape check the beat tape check the beat tape they're free for anybody to use transplant beat tapes volume one two three and four